Welcome to the Work Camper Show, brought to you by WorkCamper.com. This podcast helps you discover how to finance your RV travel dreams. Each one of our episodes will introduce you to people who are already living the RV lifestyle or to work camping opportunities all around the U.S. You'll also learn how to hit the road the right way and make the most of every opportunity. Now let's turn over today's show to your host, Greg Gerber. Today I'm speaking with a couple who lived full-time in a rather large truck camper while they traveled around the country looking for the ideal place to lay down roots. They found it in Michigan. Today's episode is sponsored by Work Camper News. If you have more questions than answers when it comes to the work camping and RVing lifestyle, then don't worry, Work Camper News has your back. Attend their free monthly work camping Q&A webinar to get your questions answered. Each month, the knowledgeable team behind WorkCamper.com hosts a free live webinar where they answer questions submitted by folks just like you who are learning about the RV lifestyle, just getting started, or have been work camping for a while. They cover topics like what kind of work camping jobs are available, what do these jobs pay, tips for writing your work camper resume, questions to ask an employer, what type of RV is best to use, how to get your email as an RVer, and many more topics. Register for the next live webinar at workcamper.com forward slash answers. Or listen to detailed answers now by watching recordings of past Q&A webinars on the Work Camper News YouTube channel. Visit youtube.com forward slash workcamper and click on the Q&A on Work Camping playlist for a list of more than 15 different videos. Corinna and Brian Barlow live in a 28-foot Mammoth brand truck camper manufactured by Host Industries. When they first started out, they had no real destination or plan in mind. They just knew they wanted to see America and experience everything it had to offer. They spent 10 years planning for the trip by reading articles and researching the RV and work camping lifestyle. One day, they realized time was passing by, and if they were ever going to do some traveling, they had to do it soon. They left two months later. Unfortunately, the day they sold their house in California and moved into their rig coincided with the time COVID shut everything down, including campgrounds. Brian looked online and discovered a county park in Washington State that was still looking for camp hosts. After one telephone interview, the couple was hired and headed north. Corinna explained that everyone thought COVID would be done in six months, so they thought the job would give them a place to hunker down until everything returned to normal. The assignment proved to be quite challenging from the start, but the couple helped save the day by orchestrating a turnaround for the campground. In fact, Brian and Corinna were featured in a local newspaper for their exceptional work on overseeing the campground. After that stint ended, the couple started traveling around the West Coast and made their way throughout much of America while driving along secondary roads, not interstate highways. They deliberately set a policy that they would not travel more than 300 miles in a day, and they'd stop driving by 3 p.m. to give them time to enjoy the area. Being in a truck camper, they had many more opportunities to stay off-road and away from crowded facilities. To tell us about their travel experiences and work camping jobs they've held, please welcome Brian and Corinna Barlow to the show. Thanks for joining me today, Corinna and Brian. I really appreciate your time. I understand you've been traveling around America for quite a while, and you are currently in Michigan. Tell us what you're doing in Michigan. We've been on the road for, we're now going on to our fourth year. And we're of an age, we're up there, I'm 72. And 
you get to an age where you need to see doctors, you need to see dentists, you know what, you know what I mean? You just need yes. to, you need to take care of your health and it's hard to do when you're full-timing. And when I say full-timing, Greg, a lot of people misunderstand that. Full-timing is when you do not have a sticks and bricks home, where you've sold everything that you own and you live in the rig that you're in full-time and, and you travel the country. You're moving. You're and not, you're moving. You're, you're not in the campground for six months, you're not work camping, you're actually moving across the United States. Mm -hmm. So it presented challenges. So we've been doing a lot of research and we decided that Michigan was a good place to have a base that we want to travel from. Okay. So that, eventually, yeah, yeah. Eventually, you're going to stop the full-time living and you're going to get a sticks and bricks or something, find an RV park in Michigan and you're going to stay there. And no, then no, no, no. We're not looking for an RV park. We're looking okay. for an actual house. Okay. Small. A small house that we can park this rig in, or if we get another rig, whatever it is. Because we also plan to do lots of. I'm from England. We need to go back. We want to do some overseas traveling. We've done a lot of it, but we want to do more of it. So it's a whole, the whole thing. Okay. Yeah. What prompted you to start RVing in the first place? That's a good question. We both, we are both, I'm trying to think of the word. We are both, we're, yeah, do you know what the term Cody Wampum, yes. Cody Wampum means? Believe it or not, I do. Uh, that's our tagline. Is it? <laughs> it's to wander, wander purposefully, but in no direction. <laughs> yeah, it was a vague destination. <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. You, I give you a gold star. You're the first. Thank you. Never know what that means. Well, we both have a great wanderlust, and we had planned on this. We had planned on this for years, probably ten years, talking about it, planning, looking into things, reading articles, and really in in depth looking into it. We're not just some wild hair and just all of a sudden just say, "Okay, let's do it." And we leave in two two months. So we, this was a big plan. Yeah. This was a life plan. Yeah. Okay. Very good. And you have been supporting your lifestyle occasionally by doing some work camping jobs, I understand. All right. So when we, can I give you the whole story on Please. this, Greg? Yeah. We, <laughs> when we sold our house and moved into our rig almost the day that COVID hit. We were in California. Oh, my. Southern California. And when COVID hit, everything shut down. Everything. We'd already closed on the house. It was April the 1st. And we were like, oh, my God. We were gobsmacked. We didn't really know what we were going to do because the campgrounds were closed down. They weren't even allowing you to go to a rest stop. The truckers couldn't even go to rest stop. It was just, it. we were really in a bind. So... My husband, I'll be honest with you, we had no intention of work camping, none. We just wanted to get on the road and see America. My husband got online and he saw this obscure, almost like a one-line ad. It was, you would never have known if you weren't, and he wasn't even looking really. He was just fumbling around on the internet. And he found this one-line ad in, for a county park in the state of Washington outside of Stevenson, a place called Home Valley. 
and he called. It was right on the Columbia River. Right Gorge. on the Columbia River Gorge. Beautiful. And he called the number. Yeah, it was. He called the number, and it just. They yeah. They said sure. And Brian had. He's very smart. My husband. He had a whole list of because we didn't need the job. We just we needed a place just to get through COVID. Mm-hmm. Figured. COVID is going to be done with in six months. That was our idea. Yes, that was the idea. So we thought, oh, you know, we'll take this job. And so Brian had a whole list of, requ- of not demands, but these are the conditions that would, would come here under. And one was that we wanted, we wanted a fully, a full hookup with everything. And there were certain concessions that were made for us. So we go to Washington and they actually had two campgrounds that they were looking for hosts. One was in the mountains. What was yeah, the forest? It was about 20 minutes up right. the hill. And that was the initial one that they wanted us to go to. But it was really, we went in the winter, wasn't it? No, because no, it was dark. May. We got there in the beginning of May. In the beginning of May. So it was spring. It was damp. It was wet. It was cold. It was dark. dark and we and thought, no, no, no cell <laughs> service. We thought, no, forget this one. So they took us down to this. Let me tell them that story. The sure. one that was down on the river, there was already t- taken by a single woman. But she sees some guy walking through the campground at night with a flashlight. For some reason, it freaked her out. She says, I'm out of here. So all of a sudden, it became available. And yippee. <laughs> so we started there. But what we didn't know, apparently this campground had been closed the year before. They closed it down for a whole year because apparently, so that was 2019, right? Wait, 2020 was COVID. So they closed it in 2019. Because in 2018 and five years before that, well, no, 1918-17, yeah. yeah, three years, the camp post that they had was misusing the system. He was taking the money. He was pocketing the money. Oh, no. He was allowing um, people to just come and stay without paying. So you had all these squatters. He was dealing drugs. He was allowing drugs to be dealt. And he was taking drugs in payment. You know, it was a whole... We didn't know any of this. We just, <laughs> so we turn up in this campground thinking everything's hunky-dory and we started having issues. My husband is six foot four. He's quite intimidating. He's a private yacht captain, so he has a military bearing. So we ended up having to, I don't want to say confront, but enforce certain rules. And some of the rules we enforced were not written down. There weren't anything that the county had given us permission to do, but we figured it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission, right? <laughs> so we we just started laying down some rules. Well, we laid down the law, really. We laid down the law, and he would go around the campground at 10 o'clock with a flashlight and make sure that everybody was quiet, that every all the noise was down. We would walk the campground three or four times a day. If we saw a vehicle come in, we'd be right over there, taking the license plate, noting it on a pad, making sure that they paid their money. So we did a lot of, but in a nice way, we're not pushy people. We're just, we like to do a job well done. We're very proud, pride of, prideful of the work that we do. Does that make sense? Yes, Greg? absolutely. So, also, when we first got there, the place was very tired looking. It needed some TLC yeah. and the county was great. Whatever I asked for, I said, we got a lot of widowmaker trees here. These things have got to be cut. And they came in and they just went to town and they really did a great job and they swept and they cleaned and they brought, uh, in. They, they 
Uh, I wanted to improve the host area. It was very small, minimal little gravel. I cleared out a massive area of leaves. I said, okay, now fill this up with stone. And we put down stone. We put down barriers. I cut wood. I got it to look really nice. And and every time a camper would leave, I'd go out there and I'd rake every single spot and clean, clean it up. And it really... Yeah, Instead of being a good position, and we had a lot of people come to us saying, "Been here years ago. What a difference! Thank you so much." Oh, yeah, they cool. had uh, right next to the campground was a public park, and there was a ball field there. There were a children's camp playground and that, and there was a beach down there. And it got so bad before we came that the parents wouldn't allow their kids to come into the campground, even though. It was a really nice area next to the river. They just wouldn't allow the kids to come there because of the bad elements. The reputation. Yeah. Apparently, we did such a good job that the newspaper of the area put us on the front page. Well, that's cool. And did a whole article on us. Yeah. We felt very proud of what we had done, and we got recognized for it now. We didn't get paid for it, Greg. I can't tell you. But now we find out that they're paying them. (laughs) Really? That's That's okay. But you probably demonstrated to them what happens that you can get really good people if you compensate them. (laughs) Well, even if you, I think it's not even a matter of compensation. I think some people um, have they have an inbred work ethic. Right. It's just something you have. And we didn't want to, we weren't interested in getting paid. We just wanted the free site and a place to stay. That was our whole idea. So it was a very rewarding experience. And we met some fantastic people. We got to know the commissioner of the place. We got to know the police. We got to know, it was just a really rewarding experience for us. We also found out through the, article because they interviewed the officials of the county that our one oh, little yeah. campground one, 27 not, spots that was all we yeah, had our one little campground had made more money in that six months than the two county campgrounds combined wow. in the past years yeah that's a in cool the past story. five yeah so we're shooting around horn here because yeah. we had never done it before greg we'd never Camp posted, and it was for us, it was a really wonderful experience. And they wanted us to stay on, um, but we, we wanted to travel the country. That was the whole idea of why we were doing it. So we just said, No, we figured yeah, COVID was over. Yeah, but no, it was so that was our, yeah, that's our camp, okay. camp posting story. Super. So after leaving that, you just traveled around and bounced from place to place. Yeah, we started on the West Coast, right, Brian? And then we... But see, the way we travel may be different from some other full-timers. We know some other... We live in a host truck camp camper, and we have other host truck camp camper people, and they'll be in New England. They'll drive all the way across country and go to South Dakota or Washington, and they'll drive all the way back and down... We don't drive very far. We are definitely into that 3-3 three, three rule. You go 300 miles or stop by 3 o'clock kind of thing. We don't travel terribly far because I'll plan something that's maybe 300 miles, but I look at a map and there's so much stuff to see in between. And we stay off the major highways because 
You really see how people live when you get off the major highways. I try to stay away from those. And so, of course, 300 miles on a small secondary road takes you longer. But we've discovered there's a great app called Atlas Obscura, which we look at that before I move. And I say, oh, here's something odd and bizarre. Let's go over there and look at it. And then we'll go to the next one. And so we don't get very far, but we find it very interesting and one joke i say is that by taking the secondary roads you see how people live and in certain states we actually see a person's entire life history in their front yard you see their first car their second car their first stove their second water heater where you know, was it where was it where we saw we were was it of, in louisiana you know, it was pie town something no where we yeah we saw a no. yard where they had their their ornamentation on their fences where all their toasters and, and all their kettles. <laughs> they kind of hung them on the fences. It was the funniest thing. But I will tell you this now, because regarding what Brian has just said, for anybody that wants to get into this lifestyle, whether they're work camping, whether they just want to travel the country, however they want to do it, we get people asking us all the time, what's the one piece of advice that we could give somebody? Yes. For us, you have to decide First of all, do your research. That's number one. And if I hear another, if I hear somebody else say to me, live in the dream, I'm going to spit. I swear <laughs> to you, I'm going to spit. Okay. <laughs> I hate that expression. But the main thing you got to decide is how you want to travel. We knew before we bought this truck camper, we knew we wanted to do a, most of our traveling. We wanted it to be boondocking. We wanted to be able to just and secondary pull road. off secondary roads. Go up these roads that an A or a fifth wheel could never go down. You know what I mean? Yes. We knew we wanted to be out there. And uh, we knew we did not want to stay in campgrounds unless it was a Corps of Engineer or a federal campground. We did not, we weren't interested in KOAs or private campgrounds at all, or a quote, resort quote, right? So that one decision dis- made us decide on a truck camper rather than. You know, we had to make a decision. Did we want to use a tone? Did we not want to use a tone? And that was the other thing. We didn't want to limit to where we could go. And of course, the West is best. It's full. I love yeah. the West because there's all these dirt roads and such. And we were in New Mexico and it was getting kind of late. My Corinna was saying, okay, we got to start looking for something. So all I did is look for a sign for a forest road. It's a dirt road. Oh, we no. just turned off. And it's just a dirt road, but we went about 150 yards into this dirt road. It wasn't terribly bad. It came to a clearing up on a high bluff, and we're looking out on this beautiful valley. It was quiet. It was private. But no one with a trailer or low clearance or without four-wheel drive, possibly, not that I needed that thing, can necessarily do that. So we have seen some extraordinary places because we have a, a truck camper instead of a trailer and something that cannot go down these dirt roads. Yeah, I mean, we were on one dirt road in, in or- Oregon. I pulled off just on, on the shoulder. Next morning, we had two inches of snow and <laughs> and all, the, all these lumber trucks barreling by us down the dirt road. But one other work camping thing we did do, if you, I don't know if you exactly call it a work camp. Oh, yeah. Is that we worked, we spent a month in Albuquerque, New Mexico at the Albuquerque Balloon Festival. Balloon Fest Fiesta. We worked that. Yeah, that was the best. That was fantastic. Everybody should do that once in their life for him. 
we got there two weeks before the fiesta to help set up. And then we were there for the fiesta. And then we actually stayed. We were one of the few people that stayed after the fiesta to help break down. So, um, yeah, it was, we were part of the field crew and it was an amazing experience. So actually, yeah, we've done two work campers. You would count that as a work camping thing. I say, yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's just, yeah. So I don't know if, is this all of this helping, making any sense? Absolutely. Yeah, it's, you've got it right when you say to use the, the secondary roads. I've heard a lot of people really enjoy doing that. In fact, they'll turn an entire adventure into that, and they'll start on, like, U.S. Highway 41 down in Miami and follow Highway 41 all the way up north into Wisconsin to the very uh, small towns and very slower pace, and you really do get a flavor of the travel in the area when you're not on the interstate going 75, 85 miles an hour. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that you just have to decide now there's nothing again. Everybody has their own comfort level and their own, their own. Some people like to be in campgrounds because they feel safer. They feel more secure. And I understand that too. And you'll have some that I have families with kids and they want to have other kids to be able to interact with other families. And I understand that as well. But I just think everybody has to decide how they want to do this. I think you are. It is. I think you are the first couple that I've interviewed who have lived full time in a truck camper. So that was. Great. <laughs> we should send you a picture of it because we don't have a truck camper. I'm going to do a little bit of advertising here. Okay. We're in a host mammoth, which is the largest. It's got three slides. We have it on a. Ram 5500 truck. And there's a 22 and a half inch tires, which are the size of a semi truck. So we're tall. So we're tall. We were 13 thick by, we're 28 feet long, long, long. And we, the truck bed that we're on has cabinets that we use for storage and that. Um, And because we don't like to go into major cities that much. I go to Costco and I load up and I've got all my cans and everything all in my pantry side of the truck. And I have a fireplace in here. (laughs) I have a fireplace. It's amazing because it's 28 feet long. You wouldn't think you had that. But anyway. You're right. They they are technically truck campers, but they look very much like Class C RVs. No, you'd have to see it. I did. I'm looking at their website. And so that's... Oh, you are? um, Yeah. Sits on top, right? It sits on right, top yes. of a truck. Yeah. I guess from the front, it would look like it's a C. But we know what's amazing is how many people have no idea what a truck camper is. We yeah. tell people, we're in a truck camper. Oh, you mean a C? No. <laughs> oh, you will. Oh. Even the insurance company, when we tried to get insurance for this thing, the my insurance agent had to go through all these different agents to till they got someone who knew what anything about what was. a truck camper was yeah. so they could rate it. <laughs> yeah. Darn. Have you faced any yeah, challenges we, on the road? The biggest challenge, I will say this about the rig that we're in. It's 13-6, which means we can't go down some roads because of the heights. Trees. Trees. And back east, there are so many low bridges. Yeah. We've had to yeah, we've had to turn around so many times. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not the west. No, the west is great. <laughs> But is that the kind, or did you want, we haven't had any issues as far, because I will tell you this, okay. Because of the way that the campus sits on the truck, 
it's very high off the ground. So we have these very long stairs to get up into the camper. So one of the positives about that is that we can be in the middle of nowhere. We could be in a Walmart parking lot, which we do, or Cracker Barrel or wherever we are. We know we're not going to have any issues because if somebody wanted to get into this camper, they've got to climb up these, they're very steep stairs to get into the camper. You can't see into the window because it's above eye level. So we're very secure. Does that make sense? Yep. Absolutely. We, yeah, we don't have that feeling of, we don't have that fear factor going on because of the whole layout of this rig. Okay. And well, yeah, been, yeah. What are some of the favorite places that you've been to where oh, you haven't been work camping? We have been in places where like we were at in a campground on the open by the Salt Lake City. And it was just a big open area. It was by the Grot. No, it's by the it's by the Grot Great Salt Lake. Yes, yeah. And uh, we all we're just sitting there, and all of a sudden, with the door open, here comes this big bull buffalo because there was this little building next door, right next to us, within a stone's throw, and he just walked on right on by and starts rubbing him, scratching himself on the building. <laughs> and we're sitting there, and then and the it's it all comes down to the wildlife we it's been great we, when you get out there especially out west there's wildlife we've been traveling in the east i have found unfortunately my opinion is that the east is not as rv friendly as the west and uh, Could buy some different places first. okay just the wildlife we're seeing and the places well it's because we go down the dirt road we, see, we see the scenery that other people will not but look at remember uh, one of my favorite was the national volcano park Remember yeah. that? Have you been there, Greg? No, I think no, it's I've in not. Idaho. I think it's in Idaho. It's a national vol volcano park, and the whole thing is volcanic. So you're in your campground. There's no trees. There's no shrubbery. There's no grass. It's all volcanic lava that you're sitting on top of. It's amazing. And you take these walks along this lava field. You're, you're taking a walk where there are these paths have been created. And you can go down into these lava tubes. And that, that was one of my, that was one of my most memorable for me. That was me. Because it's not all about nature and trees, although it's gorgeous. And it's not all about the water. This was totally different. And you're almost like you were on Mars or something. Everybody should go there too. There you go. I agree. That's why people love to do yeah. the RVing is because of these kind of experiences that they can't get or that they only read about if they're looking in books yeah. and you're out there experiencing this. The volcanic park yeah. is, I believe, is very close to where they have a lot of dinosaur digs as well. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. So I've been you're in right. the area, but not in that particular park. And Brian, you, you, had, have mentioned, to go. you had mentioned that the East Coast was not as RV friendly as the West, and I would have to agree with that. Yeah. Primarily because it was built 200 years ago when the roads were narrow yeah. and the people were building houses that were right next to each other. And it's just, there've been some places, I had a motorhome, 35 foot class A motorhome when I was traveling through New England. And it was scary to be on some roads when you had oncoming traffic passing because there was very little room on the <laughs> side of the road. In fact, there were a couple of times areas where people would actually park on the side of the road and their vehicles would jut into the traffic lane and you had to try and navigate yeah. around them. It was a challenging yeah. experience. 
one thing last spring we the we found i i wanted to go to maine i i'm from the east coast i wanted to show my wife the east coast especially maine i have a sister who lives on the southern part of maine so we made a stop there but as soon as we got near new england we all of a sudden found it was very difficult to find dump stations very difficult and once we got up in new england we found they have these water sanitation departments and you go and they'll open up a grate and say dump right there but they have no water to rinse or no water to add to your fresh water tank so i had i got on the phone and we spent a week i spent a week on the phone trying to find a way to work our way up the coast of maine and sure there's tons and tons of rv places but because maine has such a short window in good weather they're charging big dollars no, and they won't even right. let you dump. Oh, even if they won't even let you pay to dump unless you're staying there. So you couldn't even pay to dump there. Okay, it was really yeah. strange. And I had even looked in, into the yeah. town of Camden, Maine. There was a beautiful little town. I've heard that there was a small yacht club, and I was going to use my captain's license to help them out. I thought it'd be a great little town to spend the summer. It was terrific. And I said, all I need is just give me a little corner a little spot and where I can get the water. But then the problem is there was nothing within 40 miles where I could dump my black water tank. Oh my. Nothing. Yeah. So that was right. because, because I wanted to get to Nova Scotia because I have, uh, my family background is part of Nova Scotia as well. And I wanted to travel there, but I'd have to drive straight through Maine and get into Nova Scotia because Maine was such a tough state to deal with. Yeah. And we had, when we posted it, we have a website for our friends and family. We don't open it up. And we mentioned this on there. And actually, we mentioned it on full-time truck campers. Yeah. And everybody said, oh, there's all these campgrounds. Yeah, they missed the whole point. No, you can't unless, you, unless you're staying there. You could go into the interior part, of it, and, but those are pretty pricey too. Yeah. But not a lot. There, but I wanted to stuff my wife with lobster. Oh. <laughs> and, and, and we yeah. just couldn't do it, so we left. Yeah, we only we, spent we like left the week. Sink. Yeah, that well, was a bummer. Corinna, you said that you were able to control your expenses because you didn't have a lot of work camping jobs, so you were living off of your savings and things like that. And you developed a spreadsheet of all of your expenses. How did that come about, and how did it help you? Okay, so my background is I'm a, a legal software troubleshooter. So one of the things I would do for these major law firms, I would create their forms and I'm mouse certified, which means I have a certification in Excel, PowerPoint, Word. So I'm very familiar with all that software. We knew that even if we, this is another thing, Greg, that we talked about before we got on the road. We knew that we didn't want to support our lifestyle by working, by having to work. We just didn't. We wanted to work when we wanted to work, if we wanted to work. But we also need, knew we needed to keep our handle on our expenses. So I created a spreadsheet. I, in fact, I also handed it out to some people online that were interested in it. So I created a spreadsheet, and I'm the one that does the book. I write down every single thing we spend and I'm down to a dollar if I buy a lottery ticket, if we buy a cup of coffee, 
I have it. We have a budget that we allow ourselves. So I enter that at the beginning of each. I have it divided into months. So I have a 20, I've got a 2020, 2021, 22, now we're in 2023. And I divide it by 12 months. And each month we have a budget limit. And I have put in the formula so that every time I enter an amount, it automatically deducts from that budget limit. And that tells us, and if I, like this month, because of where we are, and because we've been staying in this fairgrounds that we love actually, while we're looking for a base, we spent more money. So we're going to go over budget, but I'll know that next month I need to keep it within a certain amount to make up for this month. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yes. I know that we've talked about this online with different Facebook groups and most of them think that we're anal, that because we mark to the penny, to the penny, because it's the pennies that add up to the dollar. Exactly. And if you're not careful, that cup of coffee, that donut, that can put you over. And I'd much rather spend my money on a lobster than <laughs> 20 cups of coffee. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I and do. We just allow to know where we can splurge in that. But yeah, so I do an Excel spreadsheet and I'm very diligent with it. That's a good idea. I know a lot of people who have done that kind of budgeting and they would rather spend their money on experiences rather than things and cups of coffee, like you had mentioned. And so it, it's well, good to have other, that discipline. Other, yeah, and you might want to also, I don't, I'm not one to tell somebody what to do. Everybody has their own system. But if somebody does keep, what I also do, we have monthly payments that go out automatically, like our long-term care, our health insurance, our Medicare, our truck. That, go, that, that is put into my budget automatically, so it's there. So it's not something, it's calculated into our budget. It's not over. The budget encompasses everything, not just our daily living expenses. It encompasses everything. Okay. Very good. Now that you're settling into Michigan, do you plan to continue RVing from time to time? Oh, definitely. Oh, my God. But see, that's the issue we're having, isn't it, Brian? We can't find a property that is that we can park this rig and feel secure leaving it for three, four, five months at a time. Yeah, we decide to fly out. Yeah, if we fly or if we, yeah. So we're having a little bit of a, we're working with a realtor, but it's becoming challenging. So I don't know really what we're going to do. But yeah, we plan on traveling still. Excellent. Here and over free. Yeah. And overseas. Yeah, yeah, very good. Yeah, you can rent a caravan and go all over Europe. Caravan, look at you. Look at you. Okay. So this is this has been a great story, guys. I really appreciated you sharing your experiences and providing some of this insightful advice for RVers to consider. Uh, there is there are two different kinds of RVing and two different kinds of work camping. And you have demonstrated and talked about one of the ones that is very basic and minimal, but you get so many more experiences doing it that way as well. So I am glad you shared your story and I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. We, Thank you. And as a last thing, we love the United States and the United States is an unbelievable country. There's so much to see if you, and to talk to people, if you keep yourself open to it. Absolutely. It's just great. 
I enjoyed hearing Brian and Corinna Barlow's stories about RVing and work camping around the country. They offered some great advice, such as the need to determine how you want to camp before you venture out. For them, they wanted to enjoy off-road experiences. That opened the door to some pretty spectacular scenic places, but they gave up some luxuries to enjoy them. When looking for work camping jobs, Brian and Corinna sought things that would give them tremendous experiences, not just a free RV site. For example, they spent a month in Albuquerque helping with the annual balloon fiesta. The couple arrived on site two weeks before the event to help organizers set up for the crowds of people expected to watch the balloons. They got to enjoy the fiesta while it was underway, but then stayed for another few weeks to help clean up afterward. They really like the flexibility their truck camper allows them because they can go places most other rigs would not dare venture in. They can also get into areas that provide up-close encounters with nature. I like Brian's story about being in the camper with the open door when a big bull bison wandered by and started scratching himself on a nearby building. Corinna said she loved being able to camp directly on the lava fields at a volcanic national monument. The Barlows did face some challenges, such as having difficulty finding dump stations in Maine and much of New England. The couple did not always have a work camping job, which required them to control expenses to ensure that they could do all the traveling they wanted to do. Granite created a spreadsheet to track expenses that would show, down to the dollar, what they were spending on and how much was left in that month's budget. After all, as Corinna explained, pennies can quickly add up to dollars and she'd rather enjoy a lobster dinner than a cup of coffee. I wish Brian and Corinna Barlow the best of luck as they find a new home in Michigan from which they will continue their adventures in America and overseas. People can connect with them through a private Facebook group called Full-Time Truck Camper Living. Today's episode is sponsored by Work Camper News. With its diamond and platinum membership tools, WorkCamper News is much more than just a job listing website. When you put the tools of this professional service into action, you'll find out just how easy it can be to turn your WorkCamp dreams into reality. The one-year memberships open the door to a one-stop shop for all things WorkCamping. Being the original resource for WorkCamping, find the largest number of job listings, be able to connect with the community of WorkCampers, and view resources compiled by experts who've been enjoying the RV lifestyle for many years. If you're serious about leading a successful and enjoyable work camping lifestyle, then a diamond or platinum membership is for you. You can even get started with a free 30-day trial by visiting www.workcamper.com forward slash trial. Embark on new adventures today with the support of Work Camper News behind you. That's all I have for this week's show. Next week, I'll be interviewing a work camper who had quite an experience at her first work camping job. When a bunch of co-workers went tubing in northern Wisconsin one hot day, they encountered a bear in the river. I'll have that interview on the next episode of The Work Camper Show. Thanks for listening.